0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Capitol Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you, and thank you for joining us. Amen. Amen. To that, too. Thank you, worship team. Who came up with that baseline? Upper Room? All right. Well, they might have came up with it, but Christian rocked it, so... Amen. Amen. Well, how you guys doing? Okay, thank you for this twelve people over here on this side of the room that responded. How the rest of y'all doing? All right. Well, hopefully hopefully you'll, you'll get better if uh, the Lord gets a hold of me and gets a hold of you as well. So um, again, I'm privileged. I'm honored. I'm humbled that Pastor Garrison and Pastor Tracy would uh, allow me the opportunity to come and share the pulpit with them to encourage you in the word. And uh, I just want to... I'm going to end up talking about faith. I like talking about faith, and, and you'll hear about it. So I'm actually in a series, if you will, with the Boise State, with the football team, uh, just kind of teaching about, about faith. Faith is an attitude, and faith is a perspective, and faith is an equalizer, building by faith, worshiping by faith, serving by faith. It's all about faith, as we'll see in just a little bit. And so uh, I hope you got, you got your pens and you got your paper. All right, because I, you know me, if you've been here before, I give you a lot of stuff to write down and I don't want you to forget about it. So make sure you are taking notes. So the story goes, there's this really rich man like Jeff Bezos type rich, lived in a cul-de-sac up on a hill. And... uh, he had all the money in the world and he had a couple of people in his neighborhood that knew Jesus, but they know he didn't know Jesus. And I think his wife passed away and he was kind of sad, but he was coming to an understanding that his money couldn't, get him everything that he wanted. He had a lot of money and he still wasn't content, still wasn't fulfilled in the spirit. And so the neighbors, they would start sharing Jesus with him. He's like, ah, yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear about that. And then, then one day when he was just having kind of one of those down moments, he gets this knock on the door and he decides just to go open it because not too many people knock on his door because he's like rich and nobody really wants to bug him. Right. And he opens up the door and it's Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I want to come in and have fellowship with you. I actually want to be Lord of your life. I know your neighbors have told you about me, but here I am. Will you make the decision to give your life to me today so that I can give you what you really want? And the man's like, man, you know, I don't know. I got a lot of money, and you know, now I won't be the boss of things. But he contemplates it for a little while, and then he's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the decision to let you be Lord of my life. He's like, that's great. Jesus says, I'd love to come and live in your house. And he's like, well, you know what? Okay, that's awesome. He's like, so I'm going to give you the master bedroom. It's up on the second floor, right? It's like 4,000 square feet. Everything that you could ever need is in the master bedroom. So you can come, and you can come and live with me, and everything's going to be great. And Jesus, being the gentleman, says, okay, thank you. I will go. Stay in the master bedroom. So the man's happy, right? So the next day he's just, you know, walking around the hallway in his house. I got Jesus, I got Jesus living in my house. You know, he's got this song and he's got this little dance, and then he hears this other knock on the door while he's dancing. And he's like, who's knocking on my door like that, right? And so he goes and opens up the door. Bam, the devil kicks in the door and starts beating him up and down the hallway, right? He can't get the devil off of him. He's like, what in the world is going on? Now, we all know that the devil can't be in multiple places at the same time. So eventually, the devil had to leave. Now the man's mad. So he goes upstairs and he's talking to Jesus like, Jesus, I let you stay in my house, I'm like, I gave you the master bedroom. I gave you the best room in the house. Why, why would you let the devil come down there and beat me up like he did? And Jesus says, yeah, you did. You gave me the master bedroom. And it was a really nice room, but, but I had to stay where you put me. And the man is like, I, I don't get it. He's like, I had to stay where you put me. So the man's like, okay. Let's do this. I'm gonna give you the whole second floor, right? 10,000 square feet. I mean, you got everything you can need. Media room, you know, bowling alley, uh, kitchen, butler service, whatever it is that you want. Everything's on the second floor, right? Jesus being the gentleman, he's like, okay, thank you. Thank you, that, that's great. So now the man's happy, you know, next day he's rolling through the house again, right? Singing a song, I got Jesus, I got Jesus living in my house, right? And he hears that knock on the door again. And he's a little worried, but he's like, nah, can't be because I gave the whole upstairs to Jesus. And so he opens up the door, bam, the devil comes in and starts beating him up again, up and down the hallway. This time the devil brought a friend, right? So the beating was twice as nice, right? And so it's crazy. The guy finally gets the devil up off of him and now he's pissed off, to be quite frankly, right? And he goes upstairs like with an attitude. He's like, Jesus, I gave you the whole second floor. Why would you let the devil do this to me? I gave you the best of what I had. And Jesus liked like, being the gentleman, you did. And the whole second floor is really nice. But again, I had to stay where you put me. And now the man is bewildered. He's like, man, I just don't don't understand this, like letting you be Lord of my life thing. And Jesus is like, look, let's do this. Why don't you give me the house and you can stay with me? And that was really hard because the man was rich. He had a lot of stuff, right? But he's like, you know, what have I got to lose? It's been a crazy last couple of days. So Jesus, you can have the whole house, you know, and he, he's singing a song and the song didn't have the same type of joy that it had before, but at least he's still kind of singing the song. I got Jesus. He got the whole house. I got Jesus, you know. And so, so he, he's, you know, he, he's happy, right? He's a little reluctant, but he's happy that Jesus has taken over the whole house, right? So he's kind of going about his business and he's doing this thing. And then all of a sudden he hears that knock at the door again. Now he's got PTSD, right? Because he knows what the, he knows what the knock sounds like. And he's scared to go and open up the door because he's afraid of what's going to happen. But he's like, it can't be, I gave Jesus the whole house and so this can't be happening. So he starts walking towards the front door and all of a sudden he hears Jesus' footsteps coming down the hallway and he remembers, he's like, wait a minute, I gave the house to Jesus. It's his house, he's gotta answer the door. Right? So, so when he, he sees Jesus getting to the front door, so he goes over by the front door, he's just, yeah, <laughs> what's going on right now, right? And so Jesus flings the door wide open and the devil starts running in and he looks up and he sees it's Jesus and he steps back and he bows and he says, I'm sorry, I got the wrong house. When the devil comes knocking at your door Will he have the wrong house? See, I think one of our problems is we give Jesus a portion of our heart, but we don't give him access to the rest of it. And then we wonder why this area of our life or this area of our heart is not flourishing the way that the Bible says it should be flourishing, right? You can't keep Jesus in the bedroom upstairs, even if it's a nice bedroom, and expect to realize the fullness of the goodness of God. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? You can't, well, Jesus, I'm going to give you my Sundays, by my relationships. No, nah, no, nah, that's, that's between me and, you know, so-and-so. No, I'm going to give you my Sundays, and I'm going to give you maybe my Wednesdays also. Maybe I'll do some interns, but no, you can't have my finances. Just Think about the things that you restrict God from moving in. And once you're honest with yourself about those things, and you turn it around, and you let Jesus be the Lord of your life, the ruler of your house, I guarantee you, you will experience all the fullness of the goodness of God. Everything that the Bible says you can have, you'll be able to have it. Everything that the Bible says you can do, you'll be able to do it. Amen. And so you just have to pray, Lord, what are those areas? Can we pray? Hallelujah. Father God, again, we thank you that you're an awesome God and a faithful God. And again, we're grateful for this and other opportunity that you've given us to enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Heavenly Father, we've come, Lord, to meet with you, not necessarily just to sing a song, but to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We've came in hopes of hearing a word that might change our lives forever because of one encounter with you, Lord. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help me to get out of the way. Lord, I decrease that you might increase, and I pray that you would give all of these under the sound of my voice, ears to hear, a mind to understand, a heart to receive, and then a faith and a boldness to walk out, whatever it is that you say, Lord. And so we love you, we bless you, and we give you this time in Jesus' name. And all God's people say Amen, amen. So last year in our pandemic year, you might not have watched it because I don't know what you were watching online when we were out, but I preached a message and it talked about the principle of um, perspective, right? And and, and I made the statement, it says where you sit determines what you see and what you see determines what you do, okay? Where you sit determines what you see and what you see determines what you do. So if you're seated in an elevated space Space, you're seeing things better than everybody else is seeing. So right now, I'm not superior to you, but I'm I'm elevated to a superior position. So if somebody comes in from that way, I'll see them before you do, and I can take care of things. So where you sit determines what you see. What you see determines what you do, right? So if you're a kid, you don't like some of the things that your parents told you to do or some of the things that your parents made you do. But once you become a parent, you start understanding differently, right? Well, because I said so. And that's all that it takes. You see what I'm saying? So perspective is an important thing, and it's really important that we have the right perspective, a kingdom perspective or a kingdom worldview, if you will. Perspective is de- defined as a particular attitude toward a way of regarding something or a point of view. Perspective is a particular attitude toward a way of regarding something or a point of view. Now, I'm a sidestep. God's will is not an itinerary. God's will is an attitude. Come on, that's good. I just want to do the Lord's will. Lord, what's your will? God's will is not an itinerary, it's not a to do list to check off. God's will is an attitude, God's will is a perspective. So tonight, I want to talk to you guys from the topic faith is a perspective. Faith is a perspective. So in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the, if you, if you know the Bible and read your headings, it's, it talks about the heroes of faith, right? Hold on, I'm gonna get my scripture out here real quick. Doesn't like my facial recognition. (laughs) So Hebrews chapter 11, heroes of faith. If, if you were to read one single chapter in the whole Bible and you wanted to know how you should walk in faith, how you should pray in faith, how you should live in faith, how you should operate in faith, Hebrews chapter 11 will do it for you, right? Because it tells you the stories of all of the heroes throughout the Bible, how they worship by faith and how they built by faith and how they serve by faith and all these things. But the scripture says now faith. Somebody say now faith. Now, it's really important if the scriptures up there, I think there actually should be a comma after faith because it doesn't go on with now faith. It says now faith, not yesterday's faith, not last year's faith, not your mom and them's faith, but now faith. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is what you need to operate in. And I think that if we only define faith, though, as a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, what does that really mean in a day-to-day life? I love this out of this one version. I won't tell you what the name of it is because uh, I just won't tell you. Right? You'll figure it out. It says, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It's all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So so my mother-in-law, they moved in, they retired, they moved to Boise, and they, they had enough money to buy the house and all the different appliances that they wanted to buy, right? So we're helping her shop for stuff, and she gets a refrigerator that doesn't have an automatic ice maker or automatic water dispenser. Now, she likes ice, right? I'm thinking, you're older. You need to make life as convenient as you possibly can. She's like, no, I don't like the taste of the automatic ice maker. I'm kind of thinking, that's not the freezer's. Responsibility. That's a get a water filter, right? So I'm just trying to, you know, encourage her to make it easy, but she's adamant. No, I'm going to get a regular freezer and I'll just put ice cubes. I'll put an ice tray in the freezer and i get ice cubes, right? So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what she has to do is she has to believe in that freezer so much that she takes the time to put water in the ice tray. Walk the watered ice tray over to the freezer, put it in the freezer, and wait for however long it takes for her to get the ice. Her faith in the freezer has a substance in the actions that she takes in order, in order for her to put the water in the tray and put it in the freezer, believing that the freezer is going to do what the freezer's supposed to do. Does that make sense? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So here's my question for you. How's your faith working in your life? How is your faith working in your life? So so Pastor Rob, Pastor Rob, stand up. So Pastor Rob is my my, my other son, right? And uh, he used to play defensive line. They moved him to O-line for a minute, but then they got their right minds back and they moved him back to D-line. So what, what were you rocking, about 300 pounds then? 3.15, 3.15, he's 3.15, right? So now you're eating clean, you're going to the gym and you're doing what you do, right? So, so the evidence of him taking care of his body, of him eating right and him getting into the weight room and doing what he's doing, you can see him. Now he's like, felt, look like one of the Incredibles. All right, so. <laughs> Mr. Incredible, without the tights, Okay. <laughs> Some of you, I'm not, if, if I use you in, a, in an example, I'm not picking on you. I just, I, I, I trust that you know that I love you and I'm not trying to mess with you, right? So, so, so ladies, I don't know how long you take putting on your makeup. All right. I got two daughters and they be in the bathroom like forever putting on makeup. But the evidence is clear when they don't have makeup and then they go through all of that work to put on makeup. No, 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 no. I'm not messing with you. Right? Look, look, watch this, watch this. It takes forever. I used to tell her, look, if you just spent as much time running after Jesus as you spent in the mirror putting on the makeup, you'd be all right. I'm not messing with you, but ladies, if you like makeup, that's fine, because if, if you put no makeup for a guy and if he don't sing like, when I see your face, it's not a thing that I would change. Girl, you're maid. If he don't sing that song to you, Putting on no makeup for no buster, right? But, the, but the, the evidence, right? There's a difference from when you started and when you finished. And if you didn't believe there was going to be a difference, you wouldn't have went through all of those motions to actually get that done. Faith has a substance. How's your faith working for you in your life? Is your faith living and active? Or has church just become a habit or a ritual? How's your faith working for you? Look, if we were to sit down and had a conversation about all the decisions or the choices that you're making right now in light of all the things that are going on in your life, I could easily tell you whether your faith is living and active or whether your faith is dead. If you told me how you're responding to the things that are being thrown at you, I could tell you whether you're operating in faith or whether you're operating in fear. So I make this statement, I've told you guys all before, that faith is acting like God is telling the truth all the time about everything, right? That's what I tell you. That's that's how you know you're operating in faith, but I got another one for you. It says that faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it can be so, just because God said so. Come Come on, faith is acting like it is so, in order that it might be so, even when it's not so, just because God said so. Are you operating in faith? Does your life tell the story, a good story or a bad story? And see, I need to inform some of you and remind others that in your soul, in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, that, that, that's where faith lives. Right? Faith is an internal thing, but it's manifest externally. Yeah. That's where faith lives. But you need to understand that it doesn't live alone. There's a whole community surrounding your faith. Faith doesn't live alone. Come on, right across the street is Brother Doubt. He got like a three-bedroom condo. Down on the corner is Sister Fear, right? She's got a townhouse that's bigger than your apartment. Cousin Anxiety, he lives three doors down on this side of the block. And right over your garage, got like an extra little room in the garage, you didn't even know he lived there, was cousin depression. All of these emotions, all of these things live in the community of faith. And just like I shared that story with you about the man only giving Jesus one room, right, and then finally giving him the top floor, you have to order your life and structure your life and walk out a life of faith so that faith rules all of those rooms. That faith runs the community, right? Because you're going to have those times of depression. Watch, watch. If 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 you tell me that you don't struggle with fear ever, I'm going to tell you you're lying. Pastor Mark, you don't know me that well. I don't have to know you that well. The Bible says. (laughs) Here's real talk. Everybody in this room struggles with fear. Everybody in this room struggles with some level of anxiety. Every person in this room struggles with some level of doubt. And every person in this room struggles with some level of depression. Come on, David was a man after God's own heart. Yet he was hiding in a cave, depressed, anxious. Elijah's the most powerful prophet talked about in the Bible. He's in the cave, scared because of something he heard. Tell me you don't struggle with fear. You don't struggle with doubt. Well, we all do, right? But see, faith starts pushing those things out of the neighborhood. When you build yourself up in your most holy faith, faith tells doubt, oh, you got to go. You can't stay here no more. Faith tells fear, no, 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 absolutely not. You cannot live in this room. Come on. All of that stuff lives in the neighborhood. And depending on what happens that day or what you read or what you heard on TV, whatever it is that you're confronted with, faith, or watch this, or a lack of faith dictates how you react to things. Depending on what you heard, depending on what comes across your phone, depending on what somebody said to you, either faith or a lack of faith dictates how you respond. And watch this, it's generally not the things that happen to us that cause us to fail or succeed. It's really how we respond to those things that cause us to fail or succeed. Come on, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Come on, faith, faith, faith doesn't make things easy, but it does make things possible. Right. Come on, it's how you respond to the heartache. That will dictate and determine whether you fail or succeed. And so, my goal as I preach the word of God to you tonight is to gradually, how we say, it, regentrify the neighborhood, right? Until faith rules and reigns and all of those other things are gone away. And I don't care what else you do, right? You're an interns, and you're coming to church. I don't care what, I, Pastor Mark, I sing like a bird. Oh, I memorize all these scriptures. I can preach the, 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 the lights or the, the, the leather off the chairs. I don't care if you cry until your face looks like a rainbow, right? If you finish doing all of those things and you don't have no faith, you've done nothing. You just wasted time. See, you have to possess faith in your soul. Yeah. And if there's one thing that I can tell you is that the enemy of your destiny, he's after your faith. Yeah. Come on, the enemy of your destiny is after your faith. Ah, he's after my, my relationship. No, no, he's not. If you can't handle the relationship, what makes you think the devil want to mess with it? He's after my job. Can you really see the devil working at Dutch Bros? Maybe, no, I'm just, <laughs> I apologize. If anybody works for Dutch Bros, that was just, that, that's, that's not in my notes. The devil is after your faith. How do I know this to be true? Because your, your, your faith, watch this, your faith is the most valuable commodity that you have. The devil's after your faith because your faith is the most valuable commodity that you have. I can prove it. Taking to Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. You'll see it on the screen, right? But it's in red letters on my notes and it's in red letters on your Bibles. What does red letters mean? So Jesus is talking. So this is what Jesus says about your faith. He says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus is saying, you don't have to have a lot of faith. You just have to have some faith. Right? Keegan, stand up for me. You got to take off your jacket, bro. Oh, bro. I <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what do you got? Show me. You see, I didn't bring Parker up here, right? So, <laughs> right? So, so, so whose bicep is bigger? Mine. So, <laughs> but wait, wait, wait. But he's got a bicep, right? Th- this is what I love. You can, you can sit down. The, the Bible, in, the Bible, in, in, the Bible in, in Romans says that Jesus, God has distributed to each one of us a measure of faith. To each one of us, because my, my bicep is bigger than his. Some of it is genetics. Some of it is I've older. I've had to work mine more than he's had to work his. But we both have biceps. We all have a bicep. We all have faith. And, and this is what I love. God will never ask you for anything that he hasn't already given you. God never asks you for nothing that he hasn't already given you. So when he says, operate in faith, he says, but I've given you a measure of faith. You'll see scriptures in Jude and other places that say build yourself up in your most holy faith, but God's not asking you for something that he hasn't already deposited in you. He's saying, you build it up. Start getting rid of all that other stuff in your life and start walking by faith so you can realize what God has for you and you can have what he says you can have and do what he says you can do. So truly, I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now on the flip side, the writer of Hebrews, right? We don't necessarily know who it is, but God felt he was important enough to put the book in there, right? That's got all these golden nuggets in chapter 11, which is the faith chapter, verse six says and without faith somebody say without faith faith. it's impossible without faith it's impossible to please the Lord because whoever comes to him must believe that one he exists and two he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so Jesus is telling us all you need is a little bit of faith and you can speak to the mountain and the mountain has to move but it says if you don't have faith you can't be pleasing to God and I talk about how faith is an equalizer, right? And I love this because see, this is how we know that God is fair, because he gives everybody what he's asking from them, right? He doesn't if okay, watch this. If if you had to be like an eloquent, wonderful writer of books and an MDiv graduate and all that stuff to be pleasing to God, then all of us would need to be going to Pastor Tracy to be approved by God. But that's not my testimony, never will be, right? But God is fair, right? If, if, if in order for you to be pleasing to God, you had to like sing really, 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 really good, then some of you, you'd just be out. I mean, you could never. <laughs> but see, God's not like that. So it says, I'm gonna give everybody something so that everybody can be pleasing to me all you have to do is build yourself up in your most holy faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently or earnestly seek him. So you have to understand your faith moves God. Your faith moves God. Your faith shakes heaven. Your faith gives you courage. Courage. Come on, your faith makes it. Watch this. Your faith makes it so that you can appropriate all of the things from heaven for yourself. Come on, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible says you're like, I'm praying, I'm praying, but I I don't really believe. (laughs) Like, disqualified. Disqualified. Now, if you come this way, because there was a soldier, he's like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God is not ignorant of the fact that we have doubt in some areas. That's why he's telling us and encouraging us to build ourselves up in our most holy faith so we start squeezing the doubt out, so we start pushing the anxiety out, so we start pushing the fear out. Your faith makes it so that you are able to appropriate all the promises of God. I had one pastor, he put it this way. He says, son, you know what, you know what, you know what? Money is like, yeah, you know, money's like greenbacks, you know, twenty dollar bills, hundred dollar bills. No, nah, money is like this. If you got money, you can go places, and when you get there, you can do things. And he says, But faith is like that too. If if you got faith, you can go places. And when you get there, you can do things. So so now watch this. I, I haven't had dinner yet. I got a hundred dollar bill. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I can't eat this and have it satisfy my hunger. But I got this money and I'm hungry. So I got a dilemma. But I can take this money to the food store and exchange it for something that will satisfy my hunger. Operating in faith will allow you to participate in a divine exchange. God says, if you give me your faith, I'll give you my promises. If you give me your faith, I'll give you my peace. If you give me your faith, I'll give you my joy. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Let's say I'm not hungry and I need to get downtown and none of you guys will give me a ride. I can't ride on this thing like Aladdin in a magic carpet. You understand what I'm saying? But I can exchange this to get me a ride to where I need to go. You don't understand how valuable your faith is. It's the currency of the kingdom. Is there anybody in here who's got faith? Hebrews 11.3. Again, we're back in Hebrews, the chapter says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Okay, real quick, I need 12 guys. Give me 12 guys. Come on up to the stage. 12 guys, hurry up. Y'all messing up my time. I'm on a schedule. Line up, give me six this way. Give me six this way. Line up. Like yeah, just facing in. No, nope. face in. Face in. Face in. Okay. Right there. Give me some room. I'm big. So, give me six on this side. Give me six on that side. Scoot over just a little bit, Rob. This way. Yeah, right there. And then you guys line up parallel. Okay, you guys see me? That's four. That's four. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Parker's like, I want to get my bicep in. Okay, watch this. There we go. So that that's almost that's five. That's this is fine. This is worse. I need one more. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. So, so watch this. The scripture says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Or some scriptures say the universe was framed by the word of God. So faith acts like this, right? So uh, you guys got me framed in. I can only go so far, right? So that that I would want to do, I can't do because you got me framed in. I can come over here. I can't get out of control, right? Because faith has got me framed in, right? But here's the thing. Devil, you can't get to me, neither. Because faith has got me framed in. You operating in faith not only allows you to appropriate the things from, of God for your life, but it also keeps the devil at bay. If you are in a space where faith lives, the devil can't touch you, right? Right? But what happens is when we don't operate in faith, we break the barriers and we get out of control. We start doing the things that we want to do, not the things that God has called us to do and we make ourselves susceptible to the things of the enemy. Yeah. Wow. Does that make sense? You guys can go, thank you, thank you. I can't go but so far that that I would do I can't do. I can't get out of control but the beautiful thing is the devil can't get to me. Am I making sense? Is this faith thing starting to, are you understanding, are you tracking? Your faith not only allows you to appropriate the things of God for your life, your faith also keeps the enemy from having influence in your life. This is why the enemy is after your faith because he knows what causes you to be pleasing to God. People are fighting the battle. So, Martinez boys, grandma loved your grandma. She passed away. And people be like, oh, well, she lost. She didn't lose. The Bible says it's appointed unto man but once to die, and then I guarantee you, I know what happened, and I wasn't even in the hospital room. I guarantee you, she never lost her faith. I guarantee you, she never stopped believing in a good, good father. You don't lose if you die and go to heaven. The devil loses because he was trying to rob you of your faith. Marshall's back there. Where's Clay? Clay, I see you. Okay. Clay and his mom in the hospital, old family, but I got to deal with his mom in, in, in the hospital when he's up there. Never lost her faith. Travailed in prayer. And it was a battle, right? But the devil never got their faith. That's why the devil didn't win. We used to sing this song. I just kind of made it up, but I love it. It says, the devil won't win because God can't lose. Think about it. If the devil can win, that means God can lose. Last time I read, he was still undefeated. So, so so, here's the power of faith, and we'll get ready to wrap this thing up. Here's the power of faith. Do you remember the story of Peter walking on the water, right? Everybody thinks it was about the water, so they start walking on water or trying to walk on water, and they see, they try to debunk what the Bible says. But it, the, the water was just a, a prop, in the show, right? It had nothing to do with it. So if we go through the story real quick, the disciples are on this side of the sea, right? Most of them were fishermen. They knew what it was like to be on the boat. And Jesus is doing miracles. They see all the miracles. And then Jesus is like, hey, get in the boat, go to the other side. I'll see you later, right? So they get in the boat. They start minding their business. The same boat talked about earlier in passages. It says that one time the winds were blowing so hard that they had to go down and wake Jesus up. So the boat was big enough to fit 12 people with Jesus sleeping down below someplace, right? So it wasn't a little rowboat. I don't know why in my mind I got the image. It was just a little rowboat, and he just kind of stepped out like that, right? So they say they see Jesus walking across the water, and they think it's a ghost, right? 12 people in the boat saw Jesus. Only one of them had the audacity or the faith to say, Lord, if that's you, command me to come. Lord, if that's you, command me to come. And Jesus, like, it's me. Come on, Cletus. No, he didn't say that, but (laughs) sorry. (laughs) They're like, what's that from, nutty professor? But anyway, sorry. So Jesus commanded him to come, right? So watch this. Peter had to get down out of the boat somehow. I mean, I don't know how high the rails were, but he had to climb down out of the boat and get on the water and actually start walking on the water. His faith took him a long way, right? Then all of a sudden, he started looking at the winds and the waves and he got he got frightened, right? He got distracted and then he started sinking, but the Bible says immediately Jesus picked it up and Jesus didn't blast him, but he didn't throw no shade on him for not having faith. He says, why did you have such little faith? Peter did not walk on the water. Peter walked on the word of God. He walked on faith in the word of God. What are you walking on? Are you walking on situations and circumstances? Are you walking and living and structuring and posturing your life on faith? All right, I'm almost done. Five reasons to have faith. There's more than five, but... I'm just going to share five with you for what we're doing. Faith, faith is important to you. Watch this, both spiritually and naturally. I, I deal with football players, and we took an L yesterday. The L is not for a loss. The L is for lesson, and hopefully the lesson will be learned, right? But, but I could see these guys as we, they start making more mistakes, they start losing faith in their ability to play the game. What's that got to do with Jesus? Nothing. I'm telling you, having faith is both a spiritual and natural application. Five reasons. The focus power of faith, number one, produces abundance. The focus power of faith produces abundance. So what you focus on is usually what you're going to give your life to. That which you focus on. Johnny Lang sings a song. He says, if you're looking for love, you'll you'll find it. If you're looking for fear, you'll find it. If you're looking for joy, you'll find it. If you're looking for chaos, you'll find it. Whatever you focus your mind on, you'll find it. I know some people who can find the, the bad thing in the midst of a thousand and twenty-five good things. There's like a half a bad thing and they'll find it. Because it's just negative nellies. I don't like hanging out with them people. Number one, the focus power of faith produces abundance. Number two, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Pastor Ken referenced the story of Job last week and I'm not gonna take you through the whole story of Job, right? But you need to understand that if you made it through, right? And you didn't get consumed, you usually don't go through something like that again the same way, right? If you go through a heartbreak, you, you become a little shy. Ladies, it's for free. It's easier to guard your heart than it is to mend a broken heart. Selah. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger because you build up your faith and you step into a new season of walking in the fullness of God. I said it before, I'll say it again. Faith makes things possible, not easy. I'd rather go through the trial and go through the tribulation with Jesus than without Jesus all day long. Number three, faith helps you discover your purpose in life. Faith will help you discover your purpose in life. Or another way to say it, that purpose is easier to discover when you have faith. How can I say that? Bible says God has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. You you guys know that scripture? So my question to people is, why are you trying to make up your own plans if God says he's got good plans for you? But, but if we're trusting in God and if we're walking in faith, purpose becomes clearer. Does that make sense? Number four, faith trumps stress, faith trumps anxiety, and faith trumps fear. If you don't know this, faith and fear both have the same definition. I've said it to you before many times, for those of you who have never been in the room when I said it. So fear is believing that something that hasn't yet taken place is going to occur. I'm scared of this. Fear is believing that something that hasn't yet taken place is going to occur. That's what fear is. Is that an okay definition? You flip the coin. It's the same coin. Faith is believing that something that has yet taken place is going to occur. Faith and fear have the same definition. Which side of the line are you going to live on? Am I going to be worried about it? Or am I going to trust God for it? Whichever one you prioritize is the one that wins. Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14. King David says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And number five, faith acts as a pathway to finding solutions. Faith acts as a pathway to finding solutions. Come on, if you believe the word of God, if you truly believe the word of God, it's your roadmap Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will do what? He will direct your paths. Faith acts as a pathway. King David in Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Faith in what God is saying to you, faith in what God has said to you will act as a pathway for you finding faith a solution. So no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what things that you attain, no matter what things that you lose, it's critical that you don't lose your faith. You you, you can lose anything else. I sing a little bit. One of these days, y'all won't want to hear me sing. I'm cool with that. But I guarantee you, if you watch my life you'll want to roll with the same level of faith that I'm trying to roll with. Because I can lose my voice. I'm not going to lose my faith. I can lose a whole bunch of other things, but faith is the one thing I can't afford to lose because it's the most valuable commodity that I have. So tonight, some of you, you've been listening to this message, and, and, and I don't necessarily know what your takeaway is, but you, you know that there are areas in your life where you haven't operated in faith. May, like I said, maybe you've given God faith enough for your Sunday nights, but you're not giving him Monday or Tuesday. Maybe you have faith enough for this particular job, but you don't have faith for the relationship. I, I don't know what it is. You don't you don't have faith that, that a family's gonna be restored, or you don't have faith that a relationship is gonna be restored, or you don't have faith that you're actually gonna make it. If you don't think that you're making it and you're walking in doubt, you won't make it. But if you have just a little bit of faith. So I want everybody to stand. I'm not gonna call you out issue by issue, circumstance by circumstance, because that's your business you and God so with every every head bowed and every eye closed i want you to just take a few minutes and i want you to ask god to help your unbelief i want you to take a few minutes and i want you to repent of those areas in your life where you know that you haven't been walking in faith but you've been desperate To see the power of God manifest in your life. Come on, this is a holy moment between you and God. And God ain't mad at you. So, Lord, you know, you know our hearts, you know our desires, you know our doubts and our fears, where there's anxiety or worry or concern. Lord, I pray for all of these under the sound of my voice that in this moment, this holy moment, that there would be a divine exchange that we would give you our doubt and we would give you our fear that we would give you our stress that we would give you our anxiety Lord and by faith we would exchange it to appropriate from the throne of grace everything that you promised we could have we thank you Lord that you remove our sins as far as the east is from the west and you remember them no more as we repent So, Lord, we turn from our wicked ways. We turn from those things that cause us to not be pleasing to you. And we grab a hold of that one thing that does. The victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Come on, if you're in this place tonight and you would say, Pastor Mark, I I didn't even have enough faith to ever believed that Jesus would want to be the Lord of my life. I I never prayed the prayer seriously. I never meant it. Nobody ever gave me the opportunity. If you're in this place tonight and you know that if Jesus came back, eternity wouldn't be your home. If that's you and you want to change your destiny, this is your moment. I used Lindsay and Clay as an example, because I, w- I believe that I'm right. When you got a bone marrow transplant, did your blood type change? DNA changed. Faith is like that. You go in one way and you come out another So if that's you, if anybody hears and you say, Pastor Mark, I don't know Jesus in the pardon of my sins, and you'd like to change your testimony, would you be so bold just to raise your hand? We don't want to embarrass you. We don't want to pick on you. See one. I see two. I see three. Come on, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Those who, who raised their hand and, and even the rest of the church, say, Father God, I thank you for your grace and I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for loving me in spite of me. And I confess that I'm a sinner, but I'm asking, Lord, that tonight you would cleanse me of all my sin that you would renew my heart and that you would renew my mind as I make you Lord of my life. Lord, and my desire is to live for you all the days of my life. So by my confession of faith and the promise of your word, I believe that I'm saved and that heaven will be my home. So Holy Spirit, Guide me and strengthen me. Lead me however you desire to. And I purpose to run after you with everything that I have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody give God some praise. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.